Hello everybody and welcome to episode 10 of the Shiny Bees podcast, Travelling Light. Today is Monday the 24th of June and coming up in today's show we talk about travel knitting. We have a news update, a knit-along update with the announcement of a new knit-along and in the South Africa section we talk about the poiki. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 10 of the podcast. A big welcome to any new listeners that might be joining us today and a welcome back to any returning listeners. As always, it's lovely to have you here with me. I hope you've all been well since the last time I recorded the last podcast, which had a very Star Trekky theme. And if any of you have decided to knit any romper suits or extremely short Star Trek outfits, then uh, please do let me know. Winter has well and truly arrived in Limpopo. And by this I mean it's less than 5 degrees in the morning it's very cold at night. Uh, but it's still 25 degrees by lunchtime as long as it's sunny. So the key to uh, staying warm in this kind of weather is definitely layering. I've had to knit a little beret for Her Britannic Majesty to wear to school because I was a bit afraid that I was going to get reported to social services for uh, sending her to school without enough clothes on. Because the minute it gets below 20 degrees everyone's bundled up like a little Eskimo here. Preparations are well underway for us to return to the UK, as I briefly skimmed over last time, because I'd rather not think about it. Um, We are going to be leaving South Africa next month, and we're going to be returning to the UK. The movers, Pickfords, have been and packed up all of our stuff and taken it away, including most of my stash, and... We're going to be moving back to Lincolnshire in the UK, which is not, I don't think, having lived there before, no offence to any Lincolnshire people, going to be anywhere near as exciting as living in Africa. I don't think we're going to be dodging rhinos and other wild animals. It's going to be more a case of dodging the stray potato trucks. Uh, But... um, Like I said, I've lived there before, but not in this particular area that I'm going to within Lincolnshire itself. You know, it's not not that bad, but it's not not Africa, is it? It's not Limpopo. So uh, I don't think that the animal chatter and near-death experiences, well, with any luck, are going to carry on um, in the same kind of frequency that they do here. Because uh, if they do, then something's gone really quite wrong. If there's stray animals floating around Lincolnshire, it could be a big problem. So, as I mentioned, I've just been separated from my stash. I sent some of it back, the more precious stuff, with uh, my father-in-law who also visited since the last podcast. So, we've been very busy here. And I have sent the more precious stuff back with him and that made it back safely. So, he's put that with the other pile of stuff that I've collected whilst I've been here. And I've kept some of the stash here to keep me occupied until I am reunited with my other stuff. The Southern Hemisphere stash, as it has has become known, is now, as I mentioned, reunited with the Northern Hemisphere stash, which started at Christmas. I decided that when the baby was late, I was going to reward myself by buying a skein of yarn for every day that he was late, which turned out to be five skeins. So I spent some of my Christmas money and then I also spent a lot of birthday money. Whilst I've been here, I've been internet shopping and sending my birthday birthday yarn. Because so that's fine. It's fine. It's not splurging because it's a birthday present. 
and I've been keeping all that together at my in-laws house so the stash has grown kind of exponentially from the original plan of it must not get bigger than these three boxes so soon the two kind of halves of the circle are going to be reunited so it could be quite interesting to see which ones don't then make it into the three boxes and therefore may have to be rehomed and um, because some of the, the northern hemisphere stash is very nice it's very nice so i'm looking forward to getting my little grubby mitts on that as i mentioned i had to decide which stuff to keep for hand luggage and for my own personal entertainment over the next six weeks and i've noticed that travel stash as i shall call it is something that a lot of knitters tend to agonize over because it's always difficult to gauge how much yarn or how many projects you're going to need for travel knitting and I'm, I'm counting the next six weeks travel knitting really till I get reunited with the rest of the stuff but what what's the best way to work it out I mean how do you choose which projects to do as travel knitting or holiday knitting and then how you, do you therefore work out what yarn you're going to need and all that kind of stuff because it seems to be a very frequent question particularly on Twitter I mean, if you're going to be in some cramped spaces, maybe you get on a train or on, a, on an aeroplane or a bus, then you're going to need something small. So the vanilla sock is always a winner in that case because it's a small project. You don't have to concentrate. You don't even really need a pattern as long as you make sure you've turned the heel or what have you. Or even if you do, the pattern's not going to be that big. If you're in the car, then you might have a bit more space and... A lot of people seem to like quite um, big projects there, such as maybe a shawl, especially if you're on the growing part of the shawl and there's no pattern to follow. If it's just growing the shawl in stockinette or garter, then that's quite easy. You don't even have to really look what you're doing. So if you do feel a bit sick in the car, which I do suffer from at times, I can't sit in the back of a car, I have to sit in the front, but I can still knit because I can look up and down. It's weird. Then, you know, maybe a shawl could be the way forward. I also quite like to do knitter square squares in the car because you don't have to concentrate on those either. I do quite a lot of plain chains, which are just garter stitch squares. I quite like doing them just plain because a lot of people do really fancy ones as well, which is nice. And it's, it's good if you want to practice certain stitch patterns, for instance, or to, to drill your moves to coin a dancing phase, phrase. rather. So if you want to get quicker or improve your speed, without it being a massive problem if it isn't perfect tension, then these plain chain squares are quite good because you can just practice that, that stitch for a whole square and, and get much quicker at the stitch you're doing. So I have a few different little projects on the go, but the main one I'm working on at the moment is a present for a friend that must be finished by the time I leave. I'm not going to talk about that in any great detail because uh, this isn't the Whipping Piccadilly section and there won't be one in this podcast. <laughs> The other aspect that I thought was important, especially when you're moving continents slash hemispheres, is the golden skein aspect. That being, which of these yarns can I not actually bear to be parted with in case they get lost? Everyone's got a favourite skein, the golden skein that they like to just get out and look at. And mine has just been expanded because I was very lucky to get my hands on some nurturing fibres fire club yarn which was given to me by Carlay, the lady who dyes the yarn and this is beautiful it's two different self stripes 
one that is reds and oranges and one that is purples, blues, greys and blacks. He's very beautiful. I put a little appeal out to see if anyone that had it would give, well, would sell me any of it basically, would give it up so that I could have it because this yarn was the yarn that started the whole thing for me with nurturing fibres. And everyone said, yeah, Joe, we, we, we do. We really, we really like you and everything, but no, you're not having it. <laughs> so, because we like it too much. So maybe, you know, I'll bequeath it to you with my will or something. So I have some of that, which I'm very excited about. And I'm currently brainstorming projects for that. I'll talk about that next time though. And so that means that must be kept with me because it is extremely precious. There's also the box of chocolates yarn, which is another nurturing fibers one uh, that was given to us for Carly's birth, 40th birthday. And she donated some yarn and said, you must, you can claim the yarn, but then you must give it away to someone else and write them a letter telling them why you've given them the yarn. And I gave mine away to a friend of mine at home, uh, Sal, and two people in South Africa. I was really shocked. I didn't think anyone would send it to me. Um, they gave it to me. So, in fact, it wasn't two people in South Africa. It was two American ladies, one of which was in America, called Cheryl, and the other, which is an American lady that is here. So, that was really nice. And I've kept that because, I'm a bit, again, I'm a bit scared of casting it on. It has to be such a perfect and amazing project that I'm kind of a bit paralysed with it at the moment. But I have loads of other stuff to do anyway, so it's probably a good thing that I haven't... Uh, wind it into a ball because once it's wound into a ball that's it you've got to start that's the rules and the other one which I thought I kept here but it turns out I sent it back with my father-in-law so it can't be that precious anymore was the previous golden skein which was the box of crayons the flamboyant yarns one which I, I just love although I noticed the other day that um knitting goddess she's a UK indie dyer she's recently got into quite wacky kind of childish stripy bright yarns that I, I really like I've got very kind of key stage one color <laughs> color taste at times so maybe she you know one of hers is going to come, come up the inside and, and overtake the box of crayons as well but again that one I've not really got a plan for it's quite highly variegated so I need to choose quite carefully or maybe I will just make it into socks I've not decided but yeah, anyway, they're my golden skeins and I've only kept two of them with me so clearly one of them needs to be replaced now um, in the old hierarchy. But there you go. There's also then, coming into this, because I have to fly home, the tricky hand baggage debate. And you know what I'm going to say because this question gets asked at least three times a week on Ravelry, is what to take for aeroplane knitting. Now, before I moved here, I actually wrote a blog post about it because I got so angry with whether you are or aren't allowed to take your knitting, your needles on the aeroplane. Um, so I wrote quite a long blog post about it. I think I will update it maybe this week sometime. And it basically covered all of the information I could find about whether you could take knitting needles on the plane and out of which airports you could do it. Very annoying, very time consuming blog post to write because despite the fact we have like a department for transport and we have actual rules, it would appear that these rules do or don't apply depending on 
which airport you're in and which agent you speak to. So I was travelling out of Heathrow and I looked on the Heathrow website and it said that knitting needles were fine. It said explicitly knitting needles are allowed. It doesn't specify whether they have to be bamboo or metal or interchangeables or circulars or sock needles or they're just the old-fashioned metal ones. It just says knitting needles. It doesn't say anything else. Some of the other airports don't say that, which I find very irritating. And there's apparently different rules depending on which airline you use. But this is just complete twaddle I found with Virgin. It said on the website that you are allowed knitting needles. So I decided I would do an experiment. And I took six sets, which is probably overkill, of metal straight needles. The kind of metal straight needles that you get, the aero ones that you get often in charity shops and that a lot of knitting nanas like to use, like my granny used to use. I quite like using them, especially for knitting baby stuff because the end is not too sharp. So it doesn't stick through um, if you're using acrylic, it doesn't stick through the kind of strands of acrylic and get aggravating. So I took them with me. I didn't say anything about it. I didn't try and hide them in my hair. I didn't take unsharpened bits of metal and try and sharpen them on the plane or anything crazy like any of the other crazy wacko ideas that I see banded about on Ravelry about how to smuggle your knitting needles onto the plane. I had them in a knitting needle case. I had some wool and I had my ongoing pattern and you know what there wasn't a problem didn't bat an eyelid didn't even ask me to get them out can you see them please I knitted on the plane wasn't a problem no one even mentioned it I'm a young person and I'm knitting on the plane nobody said a word nobody cared so I guess it all does depend and I bet a lot of people say oh well I went out of this airport in 1974 and I wasn't allowed and they took this off me and they took that off me and it's all a very wishy-washy thing quite apparently so I mean take it on risk which is basically the get it calls up on the end of the blog post is like well this is what I found out but if someone takes you 50 quid needles off you don't blame me it's all at your own risk um, but I do find the wacky ideas about how to smuggle knitting onto aircraft really really foolish there is nothing going to make you look more dodgy and more like you are going to stab someone through the head with a knitting needle than trying to sneak stuff on stuck in your hair or sharpening knitting needles while you're on there. Sharpening bits of dowels so you can knit on the plane. Seriously, if it's that much of a problem, people, just read a book. You're not going to die if you don't knit for eight hours or even 12. Just don't do it because you're making yourself look like a complete mentalist. And by doing that, you're making all of us look like we're mental as well when all we wanted to do was make a pair of socks anyway i thought i would then update with the other journey as in back from south africa to the uk because south african customs people are quite known for being a little bit overly officious especially if you don't grease the wheels with um with a little picture of nelson if you know what i'm saying so uh, <laughs> One of them tried to extract a bribe from me. It was very, very foolish on their part. Um, but this is Africa. That's how things work. I flew out of Joburg with a sock in progress, which was one of the Millie socks. It was on DPNs, Knit Pro ones, and it was also fine. As you can see on my project page, he did actually end up with two pairs of socks, so they didn't take it away from me. However, 
I did get stopped by customs. The reason for this being that there was a pair of scissors in my project bag. And after being really aggro so many times in the airport about people who don't know the rules and haven't read what they are and aren't allowed to take and they try and get a machete through in hand luggage. And you should see the sign in the airport is like, no handguns, no machetes, no spears, no this, no that, no that. Um, I actually got pulled over by the, the feds and uh, had to take my knitting out. And I was busy explaining, no, no, it's just a sock, see, it's fine, you can look at it, do you want me to show it to you? And she's like, no, I'm not interested in your rubbish knitting. And pulled out a pair of scissors. <laughs> now, it wasn't a big pair of scissors. The blade length was less than an inch long. Which means now that that is allowed, on, out of the UK at least. Um, if the blade uh, length is below a certain length, then it is allowed in hand luggage. But not in South Africa. I was really embarrassed. It wasn't me that put it in there. I'd taken it out and left it on the table. And unfortunately, Flora who is extremely helpful, just put it back in the bag and I didn't check it again before I put it into my hand luggage because I'd already taken the scissors out in my head. So, yeah, I was really embarrassed. They were a really nice pair of scissors as well and they got taken away from me, so that was gutting, but hey. So, anyway, in sum, I would like to know how do you choose your travel knitting? What kind of projects would you recommend for travel knitting? Do you have a go-to project like the vanilla sock? Or do you like to mix it up and just use the time where you're captive to work on a bigger project? Get in touch and let me know and I will give some feedback on what you said in the next episode. So on to a bit of news. As you know from the last podcast, which was a little while ago now, I took part in the, or I was planning to when I recorded it, and I did take part in the fourth annual Knitting and Crochet Blog Week, which was run by Eskimimi of the Eskimimi Makes Blog. I enjoyed taking part in it, it was very interesting, and there were lots of different interesting topics for the different days, but I think I might have given myself a bit of creative burnout, as I haven't actually managed to blog since I did it. It was seven days of constant blogging and reading other people's blogs because that's kind of the whole point really is to discover new blogs and see how other people interpret the different topics that are given, which like I say is really interesting and really good, but it takes up an awful lot of time. And because you know so many people are reading your blog, you're probably a little bit more kind of perfectionist about it than you would be ordinarily. And... I am hoping to get back into the blogging a bit more regularly now once things have fully calmed down from the move and visitors and everything else that has been going on. But as I mentioned, I got to read some really great new blogs and I have a couple to share with you and recommend. There are three uh, knitting ones that I found as part of the Knitted and Crochet Blog Week and there's another one that I just I really like that's a blog that's written about and by... Uh, a South African gentleman who is uh, pretty funny and writes about a lot of stuff to do with uh, South Africa that if you are a bit of a South Africa file now after listening to the podcast and want to get someone else's view on things um, then I would say his blog is definitely worth a, a read. The first one I have to recommend to you is quite a new blog. It started actually in Knitting and Crochet Blog Week and it is written by a South African lady called Claire which is yarn and pointysticks.com with the and being and the word not ampersand or 
plus or anything else like that. As I said, it's quite a new blog. It has really, really, really nice pictures on it and some great articles. It's a variety of different stuff. It's kind of a bit different from the normal. It has been a little bit quiet recently because Claire's just been back to the UK on a trip to visit her family and she took a laptop but forgot to take her adapter, bless her. So she's got loads of new ideas though, so there'll be a lot more stuff coming up on that blog in the next few weeks. She recently did an interview with a South African designer called Pink Hair Girl, Sally, who's quite new but has brought out quite a few different patterns recently, one of which I'm actually knitting myself at the moment, called Guardian Angel. She also has, uh, this is Sally, pink hair girl, a pattern, if you're into Game of Thrones, based on Game of Thrones, called Winter is Coming. I will link to both of those in the show notes. But you can, I will also link to Claire's interview with her, so you can go and read that. She has a lot more interviews planned with the South African Knitting Fraternity and Crochet Fraternity, which could be really um, interesting. If you like reading about designers and their um, their inspirations and things, and also the South African knitting scene, but I can promise you, uh, the blog post will be beautiful. So check her out. Don't check her out if you don't want to be enabled, because like I say, if if you like nice pictures and beautiful yarn, then you will find it on her blog. She's managed to convince me that grey is an actual colour, and not only is it an actual colour, but it's beautiful as well just by uh, the uh, pictures on her blog. So that is yarnandpointysticks.com. The second one I have for you is called All She Wants To Do Is Knit, which is written by a girl called Katie Rosie on Ravelry. And she wrote some really good posts during Knitting and Crochet Blog Week. But the one that stood out to me and a few other people I know have said this as well, is one about knitting and Shakespeare, where she found all the references in Shakespeare to knitting which was really interesting variation, I thought, on some of the themes, because a lot of people just got in the very, and me included in this, got in uh, quite an obvious route from the prompts, whereas this seemed to just go off at a complete tangent, which I love, as you can probably tell, because most of the time the podcast goes off at 90 degrees, frequent intervals. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I say, I find that really interesting. She's blog- she blogs quite often as well about all sorts of different interesting stuff. So if you wouldn't want to check check her out, sorry, stumbling off my words a little bit there. It is all hyphen she hyphen wants hyphen two hyphen two two. All she wants to do is knit with all of the words separated by a hyphen. Dot com. I'll put a link in the show notes. <laughs> and the third one I have to recommend to you is also quite a new blog written by a lady called Julia in New Zealand, and it is threebadcats.com. Um, I mentioned her in the last podcast because she has three shelties and she did an infographic post for day three which I really struggled with she did a brilliant job and she made a chart that is basically about and describing the different stages of knitting addiction as experienced by her and I would argue everyone else as well the it's really funny to read it uh, the description for each different stage and figure out which stage you're actually at in the old uh, infographic but it starts at low level stuff which is um, yarn curious then it goes to up to an insulator then it's needle fiend then spinning bad and then the top level of addiction is stone cold sheep nuts 
So go and check that one out. I will link to that as well because it is totally true what she's written and really funny. I also found out the other day that she's got a... As well as three shelters, she has two cats. And one of the cats is a big black cat. And this cat is called Bagheera, which I think is just the best cat name ever. <laughs> so that is three bad three badcats.com. The South African one that I want to recommend to you is 23thorns.com with 23 being the number 23thorns.com. It's really, really funny website there's loads of pictures and stuff in it and the guy does the same thing that I do is it'll he'll find a picture that's kind of related and put a comedy caption underneath it it's got all sorts of different South African stuff about kind of the culture and general everyday life and things and he has a really good way of making things funny without being offensive about things uh, because there's a lot of different cultures here and a lot of views that as a westerner you might think are a little bit wacky uh, but it's deadly serious stuff to the people who believe in it. But he has a way of telling you about it and it being funny without it being offensive. And it's all really interesting stuff and really well researched. So I would check him out definitely if you're interested in South African things. Uh, because there's, a, like I say, a wide variety of stuff on there. That is 23thorns.com. So on to Nittalong News. We have had the Knitter Square Knit Along ongoing for quite a while now on the blog and podcast, which is a Knit Along to Knit Squares for the Knitter Square uh, charity. Well, yeah, Knitter Square. It's got another name, but it eludes me at the moment. But yeah, Knitter Square, it's known as colloquially. For those of you who are just joining us now and don't know necessarily what we're talking about, <laughs> um, because I'm a little bit guilty of assuming everyone's been listening from the beginning, which you might not have been. Uh, and um, that is ongoing. I have received some squares in the post. So thank you very much to those of you who sent them in the post to me. I know some of you have also sent them directly to the charity involved. So please, if you haven't done so already, would you mind posting some pictures to the Knitter Square thread? on the Shiny Bees Ravelry group or you can email me a picture if you're a bit too shy as um, we were going, I was going to have a little giveaway for people who have taken part and I won't know if you've taken part if I haven't seen your pictures and I will dig out a skein of yarn or such like I'll come up with some kind of plan but you will get something if you're the run, <laughs> random number generator it will probably be a skein of yarn um, to celebrate taking part in this because there's lots like I said earlier, it's getting quite cold now at night and there's lots of uh, people, uh, young people, babies and children and the grannies, the Ed's grannies who need these blankets to keep them warm at night. So it would be nice just to say thank you for taking part and hopefully our squares will go towards keeping someone nice and warm. I have knitted mine in Noro. Um, I, think, I think I'm getting Noro, you know. I didn't get Noro before at all. Um... Because it just, I don't know, I just never understood why people rave about it so much. But since I've knit with it, and it isn't the kind of stuff I like to knit with either because it goes thick and thin and that annoys me a little bit. But the colours have turned out quite pretty. And I was sat there thinking, maybe this is what it is. Maybe this is how you get Noro. So, yeah, my squares are nice and green and purple. And it's in some kind of, I can't remember the name of the actual Noro yarn, but it's a silk and cotton and something else blend. So... I've done a few of those as well. And the 
Knit a square knit along will close on the 24th of July 2013 at 2025 South African Standard Time, which is GMT plus two, it is British Summertime plus one. So the reason for that is that's is when my plane is leaving. So um, that is when the Knitter Square Knit Along will finish because I would like to start a new Knit Along, which I think we will start on the 1st of July. We will have the mask cast on because I hate it when, when people start talking about a Knit Along and then they're just they're too excited. So they, they cast on straight away and I'm like, yeah, but I, I want to finish stuff first and I can actually, you know, contribute and be part of the Knit Along and concentrate on it. Um, and that's how I always end up being the last one on the knit along like 18 months after everyone else is finished I come running in going I've finished my damask I've finished it Luke 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 so I would like to finish off the knit a square knit along for those who have taken part and the new knit along is also connected to charity but it isn't necessarily for charity as such um, in the same way that the knit a square one is where you just you knit your squares and you send them off and, and that's that's it that's done the new knit along is going to be a P-hop knit along. P-hop standing for pennies per hour of pleasure. The reason I've decided to do this is because I recently spotted an advert for a role to take on a social media kind of coordinator job at P-hop pennies per hour of pleasure. And the role was based in London. So it looked really, really good, but I couldn't do it because it was in London. But then I thought, I know a girl who can. So I sent the link to Kate from Kate's Twirl blog and she applied for it. She was dead excited. She applied for it and she's got it. So she's the new coordinator for it. So to celebrate this and because I enjoy doing things for charity as well, we put our heads together and I said, why don't we do a P-hop knit along? As I said, P-HOP stands, for those of you who don't know, for knit, uh, pennies per hour of pleasure. And the website has knitting and crochet patterns that have been donated by uh, designers. And you can download them for free, but the idea is, is that you make a donation based on the hours of pleasure you get from said pattern. And the money goes towards Médecins Sans Frontières, which is Doctors Without Borders. Uh, for those who aren't fully aware of what they do, I'd imagine most people are because they're quite a famous um, organisation. They are an independent international medical humanitarian organisation that delivers emergency aid in more than 60 countries to people affected by armed conflict, epidemics, natural or man-made disasters or exclusion from healthcare. That came from the MSF website itself. The other reason why I would quite like to support this is because MSF also work in South Africa. They provide help with endemic and epidemic disease and healthcare exclusion, which is a problem here. So basically a lot of work with HIV, AIDS and TB, which is still an enormous problem in South Africa. Uh, so I think this is a great cause and unlike knitting things, for, you know, knitting hats for babies or knitting squares for orphans, you actually get to keep whatever it is you make this time. You just give some money away for the pattern. And there are lots and lots of awesome patterns on there for both knitting and crochet because the crocheters are, you are welcome to. 
we like crochets on this on this podcast even though I'm not good at it. Um, I can do a granny square, but uh, I need to improve uh, definitely. So the knit along will be for any p-hop pattern. So it's a knit along or a crochet along. You can find all of the patterns on the p-hop website which is www.p-hop.co.uk The patterns are also on Rav as well, I know that. So I will start a thread on the China Bees podcast group um, after this podcast I think so we can all start getting excited about it. And on Twitter, we'll have a hashtag of phopcal, P-H-O-P, and then K-A-L for knit along. I know there's a crochet along as well, but let's just keep it simple for me because I'm still quite sleep deprived. So um, we then we can get some chatter going on that as well. You can pick any of the 42 patterns that are available. And we could maybe even get into teams or something. If you're doing a certain pattern, we could have a team for that pattern so you can all talk to each other. Uh, like I said, there's 42 patterns, so there really is something for everyone. There's socks and mitts and shawls and all kinds of things. There's even a sheep sweater. So you cannot tell me there is nothing you want to knit in there because there are loads of great patterns. There are also loads of socks. And I think I'm going to do the Cranford mitts, which I've had queued for absolutely ages. So, And I've just not got around to doing them. So I think I will do the Cranford mitts, which are a really nice patterned mitt which is going to be quite handy as it comes into autumn because it'll probably be at least then before I finish them um but hey ho um p-hop the girl the ladies and gents who, who were involved with it will also be at wool fest which is happening next weekend the 28th and 29th well this weekend I suppose the 28th and 29th of June in Cumbria which is one of the major wool festivals in the UK so if you're going along I suggest you go along to the P-Hop stall, which the Woolfest organisers have kindly donated um, the, the space for. Uh, go along and say hi to the ladies there. Kate's not going to be there, but there'll be a lot of other people there. And you can pick up a pattern and have a look at the patterns that have already been made up and make a donation. And you can be ready for the 1st of July to cast on. You can even go and treat yourself to some new yarn because it's for charity, it's not for yourself. This is philanthropy at work. So take it out of your out of your yarn budget. You don't need to take it out of your entertainment budget. You can take it out of your charity budget. So we can help a brilliant cause and have a good laugh at the same time. So if you're not going to Woolfest, or if you would like to go and recce the site. Um, to see which patterns you would like to do and make your donation ready to cast on. The website, as I mentioned, for P-Hop is www.p-hop.co.uk. If you have any questions regarding it, then send either me or Kate a, a PM and we'll get back to you. But the cast on for that, do not cast on early, no cheating, will be the 1st of July. In other news, just as a quick aside, I will be, and so will Kate, uh, attending Fibre East, which is at Redbourne Community College in Bedford on the 27th and 28th of July 2013, because I'll be back in the UK by then. I'm going on the Saturday, which is the 27th, so if anyone would like to have a meet-up, uh, then let me know. We can eat some cake and wave our knitting around. I will also, because I've been roped in already, be assisting on the P-Hop stall there as well. So um, 
bring your projects along if you go in and let's have a look at what we're already doing we could do a bit of group p-hop knit alonging while we eat some cake maybe over lunchtime or something i know a couple of the other podcasters were thinking about going but there's no firm plans that i know of as yet but as that develops i shall let you know but if you are going and you fancy a meetup then let me know on to the return of the South Africa section. Yes, this is a long podcast. I hope you're all pleased with the, with the length of it, even though it's been a quite a long wait for uh, the follow-up episode to the last one. So this time in the South Africa episode, I am not going to be talking about a particular travel. I'm going to be talking about a dish because it's very cold here at the moment and this is a nice dish to eat when it's cold. It's a nice dish to eat anytime. And the thing I'm going to talk about is the poiki. Poiki, which is spelt P-O-T-J-I-E. T-J-I-E makes the sound key. Is short for poiki kos, which means small pot food in Afrikaans. Poiki being the small pot and kos being food. It is a sort of stew that's cooked in a round cast iron three-legged pot, the poiki. Uh, over an open fire or charcoal. It traditionally includes meat and veg and a starch, usually rice or potato, which is slow cooked with Dutch Malay spices. The poiki originated with the four trekkers um, and was made in those days from venison and veg, which was cooked up in the pot and then they would eat some of it and then whatever was left would get hung on the back of the pot and uh, hung on the back of the wagon, apologies, and would be taken along to the next place where they would start a fire, put it back on the, the pot and, and put whatever else they'd found or shot uh, into the pot. So they would quite often shoot wild game, so, you know, sort of bush pig or warthog or uh, pheasant or what have you and add that to the pot as well. Um, I went to Justice's place, who taught me to make malva pudding, uh, to get lessons for my poiki, because I was given a poiki pot for my big first, uh, birthday, which begins with a three, uh, a few months ago, and I wanted to get lessons from proper South Africans before I went back to the UK. Apologies for the aircraft noise in the background there. Um, so, I went into their place to, to make a poiki. We had a beef poiki and it was made with beef fillet, fillet steak, which is a bit of a cheater's way of doing it um, because it means you can cook it in a shorter time because the fillet doesn't need as long to cook. Normally you would use um, sort of stewing steak kind of cuts of meat or meat on the bone, kind of beef shin and that kind of stuff to add flavour to the, the poiki, but we used fillet. It had been marinated in a marinade of Guinness, Worcester sauce with some garlic and bay leaves and maybe a couple of other things were in there but I can't quite remember for nine hours before it was um, ready to cook. So we put the poiki on and we fried the meat in the pot in some butter and oil and then added the veg and the marinade. The veg was... um, Carrots, I think baby potatoes kind of cut in half, some green beans, uh, what else was there in there? Uh, mushrooms, I think, possibly. And um, the marinade got put in along with 
some uh, brown onion soup mix. There was, all the vegetables were kind of cut to be the same size so that uh, they all cook at the same time and uh, they did stir the pot when they were cooking this one. It's normally you don't stir the pot. You put the meat in the bottom and dry and fry that off and then you put the all the veg on, layers, um, with the, the softest stuff at the top and the hardest stuff at the bottom. And you put the pot up the top on and you leave it, you don't stir it. Um, but they stirred this one because there were no mushy veg in there because quite often they'll put um, patty pans, like little baby yellow squash and uh, courgette in it. And if you put those in it um, and you stir it too much, then it all just kind of turns to mush. So... There were none of those in there, so they didn't. They, they did stir it, but that's kind of like sacrilege. I'm I'm led to believe, from Wiki at least. Um, there might have been some other ingredients that went in there. I can't quite remember because there was also a lot of chatting and wine going on, which is essential for making a poiki. It's a very sociable activity, so uh, that that's my excuse. I'm sticking to it. Uh, the key points to remember from the poiki is to keep the heat low and constant so that the poiki doesn't stick to the inside of the cast iron pot. So you need two fires. You need a fire to make to cook the pot on and you need another fire that's ready to put the coals or the, the bits of firewood underneath the um, pot to keep it at the same temperature. Um, it normally takes about six hours to make a poiki. Uh, but it took about three with the fillet because we were kind of cheating, as as I mentioned. Uh, but it was really, really nice. We had it with rice, but I believe you can also have it with uh, stamp, stamp moonies, which is like a stamped corn. I don't know how you make it exactly, but I've been told that you can have it with that as well. That's kind of traditional. So maybe I must learn how to make that too. But when uh, when we make our first poiki in the UK, I will record it with me and uh, and Mealy, so it can be kind of the Brits do poiki and how badly wrong does it go? I had hoped to record some of the stuff uh, by Justice's house, but uh, unfortunately there was too much chatting and wine going on. It would have just been a bit of a car crash, really. So uh, we didn't record it, but that's the pricey of the poiki, and you will find it in most. Um, South African food restaurants or, or anywhere where you find South Africans, you will find a poiki. It's very famous. And uh, if you get the opportunity to try one, I would heartily recommend it. If you're South African and you have any poiki recipes that you would like to share with me for my poiki recipe book, then please send them in. Okay, well, I think that is all we've got time for. Unfortunately, but it has been lovely to chat to you all again and uh, get down some of these ideas that I've had over the past few weeks that have just been simmering away because of all of the upheaval with visitors and sick children and moving continents and everything uh, and all of the faff that kind of comes with all of that. But it, like I say, I've really enjoyed talking to you all again. Thank you all very much for listening and coming back and hopefully the next episode will be and a bit shorter gap than this one has been uh, but I would rather put out something that I'm happy with than something that's kind of been half cocked because I want you to enjoy it and I obviously want to enjoy recording as well myself so I think all that remains is for me to wish you all to have a lovely week happy crafting and speak to you all again soon bye Thank you.